Church, if this is your first time here, we are glad that you could be with us today. Uh, pick up a free CD of today's lesson. If it's a first-time guest, we'll let you have one of those free of charge, all right? Uh, or you can listen to us at greateraltonchurch.org, is it still? Is it org or com? One of those. I can't remember which one. I, you'd think I'd know, but I don't. I've been gone for about two weeks, not in the pulpit. I've been in the crowd. Uh, we, we did a, our doty chowder at uh, at our house for the first time and, and made a big kettle of chowder. It was awesome. And so I had a great time. Thank, thanks to Gary. I think he's at a Rams game right now. Um, he has my sympathy. He's going to be at a Rams, Rams game. <laughs> maybe, maybe they'll come out of it, you know. But uh, he's, he's uh, watching a game today. And I'm just glad that he was able to uh, preach to, to you the last couple of weeks, gave me a break. And so it's good to be back in the saddle, so to speak. Get a little nervous sometimes when it's been, you've been gone two weeks. You're kind of out of the loop, so to speak. So bear with me today. I, I noticed the notes. <laughs> I think we got one, and we skipped to right to three. I thought that was interesting. So my bad on that. Uh, you'll notice in your bulletin several things besides notes. There's a communication card. The notes are there. You can follow along in our lesson. And the communication card is there in case you'd like to make a decision today. You know, what's the point of getting together? As a church, well, it's to worship God, but it's also to reflect and make choices, make decisions. And we hope today you'll be encouraged to make the best decision, and that's live for Jesus Christ, all right? Uh, also in the bulletin, you're going to notice uh, it's in the back, I think, something about We Care Baskets. We have a list of those baskets on our Welcome Center uh, of the items you can get for that basket. And, uh, and you can either get the basket yourself or you can pay for it online. And uh, the people at the Welcome Center can help you out there if you have any questions. Our men's retreat is going to be coming up in just a few weeks. So it's on true grit, and we're going to be asking ourselves, men, do we have grit? Do you have the kind of, of faith and commitment to God that helps you stick with things? And we're going to be looking at several things in the Bible as fathers and husbands and, and brothers of grit. And uh, Mike Denius and Nathan are kind of planning this together. This is their first time they've been planning a men's retreat like this. And so uh, there is a sign-up sheet out at the Welcome Center, fellas, if you would like to uh, sign up, we'd like to get a head count so we can uh, get those rooms reserved too. Um, also, you'll notice something in there about volunteers for our kids' ministry. We're looking for people that could help substitute teach or just help in the classroom. And if you'd like to do that, contact my wife, Denise, and she'd be more than happy to get, uh, the, the, I guess, the wheels rolling on that and get you involved in our kids' ministry on Sunday mornings. Good to be together. Good to be, uh, you know, September's my favorite month. October's my second favorite month. You know, we're going to be having this treat in the trunk. Is that this, this week? I mean, wow, can you imagine that? Lots of candy, if everybody brings candy. We'll have lots of candy. Uh, and I say that because I think every year about this time, there's a lot of panic in the people who are planning the uh, treats in the trunk. But uh, if you haven't given candy yet, man, we could use that candy. Even if you can only do a few bags, we need all the candy we can get. Uh, just take it back here to this box. You'll notice it in a small dome. See Janet Bader as well. Uh, I think she's in the, with the kids today in the back, but uh, I think there's information in your bulletin about that. Also, um, they, Bob and Janet were saying something about uh, group leaders and stuff. Well, listen, if you have somebody that's going to help park, they need to know who that's going to be. So get those volunteers, that list of volunteers in uh, to Bob and Janet or to Mike Kiffmeyer or the office, whatever, so they can get a head count as to who's going to be parking cars. This place is going to be crazy when we uh, for Teresa Trunk. It's, it needs lots of coordination, lots of help, and we could use it, all right? All right. That's enough advertisement.
We're in a we're in the uh, in a series of lessons called Living Like a King. You might say, why why are we talking about living like a king? Well, the Sermon on the Mount is the desires and wishes of your King of Kings, King Jesus. And here's Jesus Himself. God Himself comes to this earth and says, you know what? I'm going to set the record straight as to what I expect and what I want, and list out some things that I would like the people that I rule, that I that I am king over, how to get a blessed life, how to be blessed. So it's not only a list of, of, of things to do or values of the king, but also several ways he wants to bless your life. And that's what we've been looking at, and we'll be looking at for several weeks here as we close out the year. And today we're looking at uh, the heart of, an, of, of integrity. We're looking at this idea of a pure heart. I don't know if you notice this or not. You probably do. It doesn't take much to point it out. Our world lives in a very appearance-focused culture. Have you noticed that? We have, it seems like people are cons- concerned about how we appear, how we look. Image is everything. Uh, we associate good appearance with good behavior or a good person. That's not always true, is it? Not always. And I'm here to tell you this morning that God doesn't really look at your appearance. He really doesn't care how you look. He cares about how you are. He's, he's more into, he's more concerned about not your image, but your integrity. Not your conduct so much as your character. Who you are when no one's looking. What's going on in that heart of yours. He's not so concerned about what you accomplish, but the attitude that you have. What you think about. Because all of the stuff that you and I do comes out of our heart, right? It's like all the things, all the things I say, all the things I do, all the decisions I make, even my facial expressions come from some deep thought inside the heart. And so God is concerned about that. One day uh, in the Old Testament, God was looking for a king to replace Saul, and he sends Samuel to Jesse's house, and you know, here come the sons of Jesse. And you can just imagine, if you read the book of 1 Samuel, here they come, they're walking, walking by, and Samuel goes, is that the one, Lord? He looks like he could be a great king, and and God says, no, that's not the one, Samuel. He says, hold on. Is it this one? He looks like he could. No, it's not that one. And then here comes this kid in. And he is, the Bible called, ruddy. What's that mean? He's kind of messy. Maybe his hair's not combed. He's kind of maybe a, a reddish hair. Or his skin's kind of a dirty, I don't know. It's just, he's just kind of a mess. You know how little boys are. They like to get into things. And here he comes walking in, you know, and God says, that's the guy. And Samuel's going, are you sure? <laughs> I don't know about that. And uh, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, uh, the Lord does not look. He tells this to Samuel. He doesn't look at things people look at. People look at outward appearance. But the Lord looks at the heart. See, God's not concerned so much about your outside. He's concerned about your inside. In fact, when Jesus, God Himself, gets a chance to speak about the things that matter in the Beatitudes, He talks about the heart. Look what it says here in Matthew chapter 5. He says, God blesses, blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. What's that mean, they'll see God? We're going to look at two things here. Briefly, we're going to look at what does it mean to see God? I believe what Jesus is saying here is, is, is that when you have a heart of integrity, you get up close with God. You get to be close to God. And you're close enough to see His love, His plan for your life, 
His purpose for your life. You get, you're up close enough to experience the power, His power in your life. Peace that you can't, you can't get anywhere else. When you're, cl- when you're pure in heart, you get up close and personal with God. It's this heart of integrity that determines how close you're going to be with God. See, pure in heart means living with integrity. That's what it means. We, the Bible uses words like blameless as another word for pure in heart or integrity or good. It'll use words like godly. Now, I want to make it clear here, purity doesn't mean sinless. In that case, none of us would be able to see God. Sin, uh, 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 living with integrity doesn't mean living flawlessly or perfectly. Because no one can do that. I can't do that. You can't do that, right? None of us are perfect. The Bible says we all fall short of the glory of God. We all sin. And if you, if you start talking like, well, I think I'm, I'm close to perfect, you're starting to lie to yourself because the Bible says anybody who claims they don't have sin is lying. So you're already committing to sin. And yet you look in the Bible, you find there are several people. Here's how I know that, that pure in heart does not mean sinless or flawless or perfect. Because there's people in the Bible who saw God face to face and they weren't, you know, perfect. They weren't sinless. Can you think of people that saw God face to face? Moses? Did he see God face to face? The Bible describes him seeing God face to face. Noah, the Bible talks about Noah walked with God. Now, how do you walk with somebody you don't see them? He walked with God. And the Bible says he was a man who lived with integrity. Adam saw God. And and the perfect man wasn't so perfect after a while. And quit blaming Eve. He just wasn't very perfect either. And so you've you've got people in the Bible who saw God face to face, but it didn't require they be perfect. It didn't require that they be sinless. So relaxed today. Because as we talk about living with integrity, we're not talking about being perfect. We're not talking about being sinless. We're just talking about having an attitude, a certain kind of attitude that God wants you and I to have in our hearts. He wants us to focus on what's going on inside, deep inside where no one else sees, no one else can, 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 uh, can see in our life. I think of one other fellow, and that's uh, David. Of course, we know David. He did all kinds of things. He did all kinds of sinful things. He committed murder, committed adultery. He acted like he was crazy. That's, I mean, talk about deceitful, just to get people off his back. And yet, when God looked at David, he said, here's a guy that's after my heart. How can you say that, Lord? He's not perfect. You don't have to be perfect. No, he, he's after my heart, Tim. And because he's after my heart, he's going to see me. You see, guys, when... You, Again, that's the promise Jesus is making, this idea of purity in heart. It doesn't mean flawlessness. It simply means faithfulness. It's being faithful. Look at the Bible says here uh, in, in Proverbs 11 up here on the screen. The Lord detests people with crooked hearts. What's he saying? The Lord's turned off by those kind of people. Aren't you turned off by those kind of people? Hello? Yeah, I've been gone two weeks. You seem like you're kind of tired today. Are everybody all right? All right, now take a breath. All right. Hey, he, he detests people. He's turned off by people with crooked hearts. But look what he says. He delights in those with integrity. You know, it excites God. It brings God pleasure and happiness when people live pure hearts, with pure hearts.
Now, what is integrity? You got a pen and you got some room on your notes. I'm going to ask you to write three words down. It'll help you understand a little bit more about integrity. The first word I want you to write is wholeness. Integrity is wholeness. What do you mean by wholeness, Tim? Well, the word integrity comes from uh, another word you could use that, that sounds like integrity is integration. And you know that means to bring together, right? It means to bring together. I heard a fellow this week say that the word integrity comes from the word integer, which is all you math people know is a whole number. It's not a part. It's a whole. It's all. It's kind of like a pie. See, we like to divide everything up. I like, don't you like to divide your life up? We all divide our lives up into these, these pieces like a pie. There's the personal piece of me, that part of me. There's the job part of me. There's the family person. There's the religious part of me. See how we do it? There's the sexual part of me. And then there's this very private place nobody is entitled to. Peace. And we think if we divide, we can divide it up. In living with integrity, you cannot do that. Having a pure heart doesn't allow you to do that. Because when you have a pure heart, you've got to remember, the pie has the same filling in all the pieces. And so when you bring... God's attitude, when you bring the, the, the best attitude, a godly attitude, what God wants into your life, He wants to be a part of all the pieces. Amen? All the pieces. He wants you to be... So it's wholeness. It comes from this idea of wholeness. If I section off part of my life and I'm not going to have God in, involved in it, you're not living with integrity. You've segregated your life into pieces. Number two, integrity means authenticity. It means to be real, upfront. See, image is who I am in public. Integrity is who I am in the dark. Would you agree with that? We can all put up a good image. I can do a good image, okay? You can put up a good front. But who you really are is when, it, when there's no one else looking, when you're by yourself. It's just you and God. And so when he talks about living this pure heart, and you'll see him, he's talking about, listen, when your heart is, when you develop integrity and when you want integrity in your life, Tim, you're going to see me. You're going to be close to me. And it'll, it'll, it'll flood into all the other areas of your life. and You won't have to pretend anymore. You can be real and be yourself. How many times have we said that? I'm just being myself at that moment. Huh? Or that's just not me. You know, I mean, we, we know, we section our lives off like this. And God says, oh, Tim, listen, church, I want to be in every area of your life. I want you to be able to relax and be real in everything. What else is integrity? Integrity, I know how to say it. Well, I'm going to try to say it this way. It means sincerity. Now, you say, well, I know people, a lot of people will say, you can't just be sincere and go to heaven. And I, and I agree with that. Sincerity is not enough. Of course not. But when I'm talking about sincerity, I'm talking about like authenticity. It's real. It's truly one motive. It's not mixed up with a bunch of other motives. Uh, I remember years ago at a men's retreat, and some of you can probably remember this, there was an illustration given to us about what does sincere mean. And back in the Bible times when they made clay pots, they still make clay pots, you know, in, in places. And they're, and they're making these and they let them, let them dry or cure in the sun or bake them, some of the pots would develop a crack. Beautiful. This beautiful pot, all of a sudden there's a crack in it. 
All this time has been put in it, this artist has put in it. And what they would do is they'd take some wax or something and fill in the crack and then paint over it. And, they, and then they would take those particular pots and put them off by themselves with like a clearance price. And why? Well, they called them insincere. Over here were the ones that weren't cracked, and they were sincere. They were true. No cracks, nothing hidden. Follow me? And that's what I'm meaning by sincerity. It's having this one true motive inside that overrides all the other motives that are bombarding us every day and all the decisions and choices we make. In other words, I, I do, what, is, I, I, I do uh, what I do with the right motive. I do what I do with God's motive. Uh, this week I had somebody say to me, Boy, we sure are talking about why a lot this year. And I said, I wonder, wonder why. And I think the reason we're talking about why is because we've got to know why we do what we do, guys. Many of us here have grown over the years. We're doing these things, but we've forgotten why. And why, see, determines what I do and how long I do it. I know that's true. You think about it. When you've got why down, then you know what to do and how long. It keeps you going. And for many people, I... You know, they, they, they had the why, and then they lose the why, and then they're gone. Or they, they go through a, a tough time, a rough patch in the road, so to speak. And see, why is the motive. And you can't, motive can't be on the outside. It's an inside thing. And so Jesus, when He lists out these things that as a king, He wants to have us to have, one of those qualities is integrity. He wants you to have this motive that just overrides all the others. And it's consistent as the pie filling. It's the same motive, irregardless of which piece you happen to be in at the time. Now, there are three blessings of a pure heart I want to share with you. What are the three blessings, Tim? Well, here are the three blessings of a pure heart. There's probably many, but here are three of that, that come to mind. The first one is, I will possess personal confidence. When I'm pure, when I live with integrity, I develop a personal confidence. Why, what are you talking about, Tim? Well, look what the Bible says here. The one who lives with integrity lives securely. But whoever perverts his ways will be found out. What's he talking about here? He's, again, he says, when you live with integrity, it builds security. He's telling me that whenever I don't live with integrity, I'm going to be an insecure person. That whenever, whenever I'm trying to, I'm not being authentic, I'm not bringing God into everything, it's going to create instability in my life. But when I put, bring... When I bring the heart of God into everything, into my thoughts and attitudes, which the Bible says will be laid bare before Him, I find security. I find a confidence, a peace. I'm going to be okay. Why? Because I know and God knows where I really am. Everybody else may not figure me out. And I might be understood, misunderstood by my wife or husband. <laughs> That's a gimme. By the way, Kevin and Ashley were engaged uh, yesterday. And, <laughs> and, you know, and they're going to they're they're find out like the rest of us that are been married and, and been married. Hey, we're going to disappoint one another. We're not going to be able to read each other's minds. 
Right? Now that, now that the engagement's... A, oh, you need to know this, okay? But, and it's true. And, and so... This idea, this idea that, that we're going to disappoint one another, we're going, you know, and, and it's not just in the marriage, it's in the workplace, everywhere we are. There, when, you don't, when you're trying to keep up with who you said what to who, and it, it creates a lot of instability and a lot of wasted energy, whereas if you could just be the same person, you can relax. And it builds this inner confidence. Look at how it says here, the integrity of the honest keeps them on track. I love this verse in the message, the way it says that. It keeps them on track. What's that mean? Well, you know, here I am. I become a Christian and, and I, I start growing in Christ, but then I come up against a decision or a choice. I don't know what to do. Well, I'll tell you what. You, you, bring, you, you have the right attitude, a godly attitude, and God will help clear up where you need to go. He'll keep you on track. Whereas a de- the deviousness of crooks brings them to ruin. In other words, they crash and burn. Because they, they're mixed up. You see, when I have integrity, I don't only see God, I see what to do at this moment and what to do next. Keeps me on track. Number two, I'll have a lasting legacy. One of the blessings of a pure heart is a lasting legacy. Uh, this week, uh, a couple days ago, there was an estate sale real close to my house. And Denise said, you need to go over there. They've got lots of stuff. They had lots of stuff. I couldn't believe the stuff they had. And it wasn't dresses and, you know, clothes. This was machinery, tools, steel. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh, man. It was like, I mean, is this heaven? You know, I'm thinking like Field of Dreams. Is this heaven? No, this is a estate sale. And I'm, I'm going, what happened? And the wife comes out and says, my husband died of lung cancer. I went, oh. And I'm just trying to, I don't know what to do with all of it. And I swear to you guys, I'm walking around going, this could be my place. Here, let me bring you into the garage. I'm going, oh, the holy of holies of a tankerer. It's, it's holy ground. And I walk in and I kid you not, it looked like the inside of my garage, and it hit me like a ton of bricks. Tim, one of these days, all that stuff you've got is going to go somewhere else. Somebody else is going to, going to buy it. Denise is going to go, I don't know, he was a tinker. I don't know half this stuff. I don't even know what it belongs to. This woman says, yeah, he'd never throw anything away. I go, huh. He had a bolt for everything. I wish I'd have known this man. And I mean, he had bins and storage things just like the inside of my shed. And I just couldn't help but think. And they're getting emptied. Everything's disappearing. Lawnmowers, electrical tools, thingamajigs. It was awesome. And it was all cheap. I didn't buy anything. It hit me. It's going to get sold. Someday Denise is going to have somebody, he's going to have an estate sale and goes, yeah, I lost him in December. And I'm looking around and, and uh, I don't handle half of this stuff. And some young man's going to go, oh man, I know what that is. And then what's left will either take the goodwill or thrown in the trash. Really excites you, huh? Isn't that nice to know all your cool stuff is going to be gone? 
there's one thing that will last, and that's your character. You can count on your character is going to be around forever. A lot of stuff's going to go, but not your character, not your legacy. Look at this passage here. It says, The godly walk with integrity. Blessed are their children who follow them. What's he talking about? Legacy. He's talking about legacy. Everything else may go, but you know how you can, you can leave a lasting legacy. You know, uh, we've been having this uh, How to Have a Better Kid by Friday. Dr. Kevin Lehman, some of us have been taking this. And we, we're, I think we're in our fourth week this week. And you know what? You can come into this class anytime you want. You want to just drop by and see what we're doing. And you can just take it once. Just take one class. It, every class is good. And we had the girls and the guys split up. So I had all the husbands and grandfathers and uncles. Some of them were all three sitting in one pile and all the ladies were over in the other pile. And I'm listening. And guys, I've got to tell you, we are so blessed. Some of the men we have in this church are so, just so genuine. They're sitting there, and they could have faked it. They could have said, ah, ah, or said nothing. Just, I'm just listening. You know, but they sit there and go, you know, I've messed up. We, we talked about mountains and molehills. The question was, what do you do when your teenage son comes in and says they want an earring? I mean, that's what, that's what, that, so what, how do you handle that? Is it a mountain or is it a molehill? And we discussed this. And I listened to Dad say things like this. I've made too many moles into mountains. Oh, man. And, and maybe you can identify this. Maybe you're thinking, as a mom or as a dad or as a grandfather going, you know, I'm not, I'm not leaving a very good legacy. I'm not sure what kind of legacy I'm going to leave. Tim, I feel like my legacy is a failure. Listen to me. Your legacy is not over. You can change that right now by simply, I'm going to live with integrity. I'm going to start learning what it means to have a pure heart so I can see God and see what to do. And that's what it does. It leaves that. You, you say, is there any examples in the Bible of that? You look at the life of Job. And Job lost everything. He lost his family and his finances. And one of his friends, and by the way, when you read the book of Job, his friends, not everything they said was bad. One of his friends said, if you choose to live with integrity before God and humble yourself, he will bless you and restore what you've lost. And that's exactly what Job does. And God restores it. He restores everything. And if you say, oh, I've, lost, I've lost my chance of leaving a legacy, no, you haven't. You've still got a pulse. And if you will live with integrity, humble yourself before God and live with integrity, guess what will happen? Your kids will be blessed. You will leave a lasting legacy, not only to your kids, but to your friends, to your church. That's, what a, that's the power of a pure heart. Number three, I'll receive eternal rewards. When I just pursue, Lord, help me have a pure heart. Creating me a clean heart is what David would say. Give me this pure heart. What will happen? You'll receive eternal rewards. I, the guys, we talk about, I know we're, right now, you know, we're emphasizing Greater Alton. It's important to please God and follow Jesus. Amen? But when you, you know where it's leading? Into the likeness of God. Absolutely. I agree with you there. But another place it's leading is eternity with God. And you will be eternally rewarded when you pursue a heart of purity, when, you're at, when you get into the, your thinking and your attitudes, 
which are behind your actions, behind everything you do, behind every choice. Look what the Bible says here. Jesus said this in Matthew 25, 21. The master answered, he's, he's, it, this is, a, this is a, a, a parable of the tenants, and he says to this one, the master says, you did well. You are good and, and loyal. You are a good and loyal servant. He's saying you, you have a heart of integrity. You've been good and loyal. Goodness is a heart thing. Loyalty is a heart thing, not just action. You've been good and loyal. Because, look at this, because you were loyal with small things. I want you to circle small things. Why, Tim? Why the small things? We think that it's the big things that God rewards. Do something big for God and He'll reward you. Jesus says if you do something small for God, He'll reward that too. In fact, you do more small things than big things, if you just think about it. And it's in those everyday small things. Those those little everyday choices. You're going to choose after we get done with this service. You're going to walk out these doors and you're going to get in your cars. You're going to go home. You're going to go off to eat somewhere. You're going to be working on something. You know, that choice right there, what you do with your day, it's a small choice, has big benefits. You're going to go to sleep tonight, get up tomorrow morning, hopefully go to work, right? And when you get to work, what's go, go to school, you're, what are you going to do there? You've got a choice to make. And you do this every day. Every day, for years and years. It's these small things. He says, if you'll be loyal to them, you're loyal in these small things, I will let you care for much greater things. Well, greater things on this earth? Absolutely. Greater things in heaven? Always. There's only greater things in heaven. He says, come and share my joy with me. Come, In other words, come and see. Because you're pure, I'm going to let you see what I've got prepared for you. I want to challenge this church. I want to challenge you as your member of Greater Alton. Guys, it's, it's so important. Your king wants you to bring a heart of integrity into the small things in your life. Every choice you make. Think about, where is my motive? What is it? What's the attitude that's, in, that's in, included in this action? Now let's talk about building integrity. One of the things that I've realized when it comes to building integrity in my life is that I'm trying to bring God's heart into everything I'm doing. I'm trying to bring God's attitude, get rid of mine and put God's attitude in there. And one of the ways I think it's it's illustrated so well is in Psalms 15 here. And we're going to look at it here on the screen because I didn't have room for it in the notes. What does it mean to be pure in heart? Let's read this. Look at this with me. It says, The Lord, who may stay in your tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? What's he saying there? He's saying, who gets to see you? Who gets to be with you? Who gets to be close to you? I'm going to be in your tent. Who gets to see and experience your presence? Who gets to see the plan you have for me? You know, who, who gets to see the purpose that, that I was made for? The, the purpose you've been made for. The power you need to overcome whatever you're facing. Who gets that close to God? And he says in verse 2, the one who walks with integrity. 
He starts there. It's almost like he's talking, it's the Sermon on the Mount, the beatitude, this beatitude in more detail in the Old Testament. I wonder if Jesus was thinking about Psalms 15 when he said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they'll see God. Because David explains what we're to bring this purity, this integrity into. The one who walks with integrity does, does what is righteous and speaks the truth within his heart. See that? It starts there. Tim, it starts telling the truth to yourself, accepting the truth about you in your heart. Letting truth be in your heart first. Why? Because then it comes out. The one who does not slander with his tongue or do evil to a friend or bring disgrace on his neighbor on Facebook. Oops, sorry. Slip up. The one who despises those rejected by God but honors those who fear the Lord. You're very clear about your relationships. That's integrity in your relationships. The one who makes a promise and does not break it, even though it, he is hurt by it. What's that about? We'll talk about that. The one who does not collect interest on a loan or, or take a bribe against an innocent person, whoever does these things will never be shaken. You want to, be, you want to have security? You want to be steady? Get integrity. He says, you do these things. We're into doing things. We want to, what, what do we do? I want you to know, I think he's saying, you bring integrity into these things. That's what you do. You bring God's heart into what you do. Into these, these pies, these pieces of pie. Let the filling be the heart of God. And see, when you do that, you bring the best attitude, the very best attitude into anything you do. Okay, you ready? Let's look at this then. How do I build integrity in my life? What do I do? Well, first I do is this. I build integrity in my life by purifying my motive. It, start, it has to start there. Let me ask you, you know, look at it, by the way, look what it says here. It says here, uh, this is the very first part of that psalm, who may live on your holy mountain? the one who walks with integrity. He says, you've got to purify that motive, Tim. If you want to see me, you want to be close to me, you want to experience me, you're going to have to deal with that, that motive of yours. I mean, guys, what is your motive? What is the why you do what you do? If there's anything I've learned from the Scriptures and from personal experience, it's this. You can do the right thing with the wrong motive and it don't count. You can do the right thing but with the wrong motive, and it don't count. Fellas, has this ever happened? Here's some flowers. Yeah, but I had to ask for them. Here comes the shame. Yeah. How many? You know what I'm saying? Wait, you, did, I, you did the. I cleaned up the room, Mom. Yeah, but you only did it so you could have the car keys. Motive ruined it. See, but I did the right thing. Yeah, but. Did you have the right motive? I'll do the right thing to use somebody. I'll do the right thing to manipulate something. I'll do the right thing to control something. God doesn't bless that. If, if you're doing stuff, guys, 
right things with the wrong motive, that's not living by integrity. That's selfish. I think about the Bible. It has so many places it talks about the heart. Uh, James, doesn't he say something like, you know, you ask but you don't get because you ask with the wrong motives? But I'm praying, God, give me this job. But what's the motive? So I can make some money and get a car and get some stuff. I don't know if it makes sense, you know. God, I want to be married. Why? Because I'm at my sexual peak. I mean, I want someone to, to help. By the way, I know the studies say sexual peak is at a certain age. I've known guys that are in their sexual peak in their 70s. And they're, they're just as stupid and blind when they were 20. Don't blame Viagra. I'm telling you. What's the motive? What's the motive? You know, you need a leader. I want to be a leader. You need a leader around. You know, I need leaders. What's the motive? God, help me be a leader. Why? So people will look up to me. Been there, done that, done that. What's the motive? Jesus one time said, you know, you worship me in vain. You, you worship me with your lips, but your hearts are... What? Come on, man. Are you kidding me? I'm, I'm worshiping and I'm saying all the right stuff and I'm sharing in group. But my heart is, he says, your heart's way over there. You know, come on, heart, get over here. You need to get your heart over here. But I did the right thing. I'm doing the work. Yeah, but the heart, the motive. Where's the motive? Doesn't motive matter to you? Yeah, it matters to you. It matters to me. What well, matters to God? Why? He weighs the heart. Look what it says here. A person may think their own ways are right, but the Lord weighs the heart. The Lord says, you know, I don't care how you look. And honestly, I'm not so concerned about what you do. It's why you do what you do. Now, don't go out here and say, Tim says God doesn't care what I do. If you are concerned about why, it will determine what you do. So I've got to purify that motive. And that's nobody can do that for you but you. That's your job. Number two, by keeping my promises. If I, if I want a heart of integrity, I got, you know, I, I've got to see, I've got to bring this into the promise making. You guys keep your promises? Look at what the Bible says here. He says, the one who makes a promise, and uh, this is the one who stays on the holy hill or gets to be there. The one who makes a promise and does not break it. What's he saying? I'm there when I say I'm going to be. I'll do what I say I'm going to do. I'll take care of it if I said I'll take care of it. That is personal integrity, guys. You bring... and. I mean, have you thought about any promises you've made? Can you remember any promises you have been broken? 
I heard this this week. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to pass it on to you. You tell me, you, or you decide whether you think it's true or not. He said the number one thing that causes resentment in children is parents who make promises they don't keep. They say things. Have you ever heard them say this? But you said. But you promised. But you said. But, but Dad, you promised that. But you... What's a, what's a, is there a promise you've made to your kids? A promise maybe you've made to a spouse? I said I'd take care of it. You didn't take care of it. Well, I forgot. Okay. And? Okay, we got the mental problem now. Now let's work. What are you going to do with this? I'm, I'm going to follow through the promise. You know, it doesn't make me off the hook. I'm sorry. Uh, happens. You know, we're greater all than we're just a goofy church. I've heard that said before. Like we got to pass on that because, and I, I guys, I, and listen, this is not an easy lesson to preach, let alone here. Amen? Do I keep my promises? It says a lot about me if I keep my word. Look at here. People with pro, who promise things that they never give are like clouds and wind that bring no rain. Full of hot air. They appear, but they're really something else. But Tim, what, what about when the circumstances change? I've made the same excuse. I've done the same thing. Well, the circumstances have changed. But look at this passage again. This is Psalms 15. The one who makes a promise and does not break it, even though he is hurt by it. The real test of integrity is, will you follow through on a promise because you made it to God or you made it to a person and maybe, they, maybe you think they've disappointed you, either one, but you'll still follow through, even if it hurts. See, that, God, you know, when Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, He's saying, bring this attitude of mine, my heart, Tim, into this. Your heart can't handle these situations, but my heart will help you. My heart can handle that. Your attitude can't handle that. Get rid of that attitude. Bring my attitude in this situation. But Tim, they wronged me. Tim, they cheated. Or God, they cheated me. I know, Tim, but bring my attitude in. You think I've never been cheated? You think I've never been wronged? You think you've never cheated me, Tim? You think you've... You, you think that... that you think it, uh, I bless you and forgive you because you deserve it? How many times has God fulfilled His promise in your life and in my life, not because of how good we are, but how good He is? He doesn't break His promise. Number three, by managing my money ethically. God wants me to manage my, my treasures you know, we've, this year, it's I'm yours, Lord. We've been talking about stewardship all year in some way, and here it is again. And, I, and God wants me to bring integrity and purity, His heart, into hand, I handle money. I was telling the first service, I noticed something about Jesus. How much did Jesus have? He had everything. He had everything. But He lived like He had nothing. You notice that? He had everything on a cattle on a thousand hills, had all the gold, all the silver, and yet when he 
was killed on the cross, all he had was a piece of clothing his mother made him. That's it. Well, he didn't, I guess he didn't flaunt it. He didn't live like it was all that mattered. And when you bring God's values to money and treasure is different than your heart or mine. And he says, I want you to manage your money, Tim. Manage your things like I would. Look what he says here. Who can dwell in the holy hill? Look at this, Psalms 15. The one who does not collect interest or on a loan or take a bribe against an innocent person. What's he saying? He's not controlled by money. He doesn't make decisions based on finances, but by faith. You know, I'll, I'll give you a name. You tell me if this guy made a decision based on finances or faith. Judas Iscariot. What did he decide to do? He decided to betray Jesus over money. He, listen, listen, here's the principle you've got to catch. He made a spiritual decision based on finances, not faith. Listen. He made a spiritual decision based on finances. And what, what happened to him? It ruined him so much, he'd go hang himself. I often wondered, could Judas have come back to Jesus and got forgiven? I'd like to think so. But it screwed him up so much in the way he thought about God and the way he thought about things, he gave up. The root, I say, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Judas understood that. And some of us here, we make, we make a spiritual decision based on the minimum wage. Or what, instead of, what does God want from me? What does God want me to do here? Do you spend more money than you make? That's not living with integrity. Do you pay back what you borrow? If you don't, that's not living with integrity. Do you try to hide and cheat others? I'll hide this under miscellaneous. Or I conveniently lost that invoice. I wonder what ever happened to that cash. You know, everybody's got their mad money. Okay. That's not integrity. When, you, when you're thinking of giving to God, and by the way, the Bible talks about money a lot more than we've said this before, than the Bible says about love, says about righteousness, says about all this. It talks about money a whole lot more than Greater Alton talks about it. I don't know whether to be proud of that or ashamed of that. But when it comes to giving to God, being generous, do you, does God get the first part or does He get the leftovers? You've got to think about this thing. Because He says, I'll, if you're going to see me, bring, bring integrity into your finances, into your things. You know, Jesus said, um, your heart will always be where your treasure is. I think one says, uh, where your riches are. Your heart will always be where your treasure is. I got to thinking about this. I remember making a, a buck thirty-five an hour bailing hay as a teenager. And it, whether it was a buck thirty-five an hour bailing hay back in the early 70s, or if it was you know, making what I'm making, I'm making more money now than I ever have in my life. I noticed something. I still have trouble paying my bills. 
I still have I still struggle with do I keep this or do I am I generous with it? And he says, Your heart, your heart is going to be where what you treasure whatever you treasure the most, that's what's that's what your heart where your heart's going to be. Where's your heart this morning when it comes to your finances? Let me read a couple passages to give you an idea and then, then we'll move on. It says, The wicked borrow money and never pay it back. The wicked borrow money and never pay it back. But good people are kind and generous. One translation says, good people, people of integrity, will pay it back with some interest. Look at, look at this next verse. This is where we need to have integrity as Christians. That is also why you pay taxes. Because the authorities are working for God when they fulfill their duties. Pay them what you owe them. Pay them your personal and property taxes and show respect and honor for them all. That's a tough passage, huh? Pay my... Tim, you're talking about integrity. Our government. Talk about a group of people that spend more than they get. They're the ones that need to look at this. They're the ones. I understand that, and they should. And they'll be held accountable for what they do with the taxes. I get that. But God's going to hold you and I accountable for what we do with this verse. Pay your bills. Pay your taxes. I bring God's heart. This is God's desire. I bring His heart into my finances and manage them ethically. Write this down. I've got time for it. 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, chapters 8 and 9. Read it sometime. See what you see in the hearts of the Macedonians that makes them give sacrificially. They're sacrificial givers. Why? Tell me what you tell me what you find. Tell somebody what you find. Here's number four. Not number five, number four. I build I build integrity into my life by refusing to gossip. Whew. Are these points going to get any easier? <laughs> refusing to gossip. Look at the Bible says in Psalms fifteen again. He says, Bring integrity in these things into your relationships. The, he said, who will dwell in your holy hill? Who will be in your tent? Who will be close to you? Who will see you? The one who does not slander with his tongue. Once, uh, one other translation says, one who doesn't do damage on other people with their words. They don't do slander with his tongue, do evil to a friend, or bring disgrace on his neighbor. I want to say something, and, and it's guys. Every time, every time you gossip, you give up your integrity. What about listening to it? That's an accessory to the crime. That's just an accessory to the crime. Now, the week, uh, just a week or so ago, I'm hearing some stuff, and it's juicy. <laughs> oh man, give me a towel. Tell me more, tell me more. 
Tell me more, tell me more. Uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. More, more, more. Is that it? Is there more? Well, I'm wondering. Uh-huh. Kind of like the fellow said, you know, you're not supposed to say anything good about someone or say anything about someone unless it's good. And boy, this is good. And I listen to this stuff only to find out we don't even have any evidence for it. You tell me if that's just as bad as talking about it. We listen to it. Why don't we say something like, I don't want to hear it? Why don't I say something like that? I don't want to hear that. Gossip destroys lives. It'll destroy yours. You may think, oh, I'm destroying that person's reputation. And guys, let me tell you, you, you are destroying their reputation, but you destroy your character, and that's what lasts. You have to refuse. You have to refuse to gossip. Look what it says here. A gossip can't be trusted with a secret. Can you keep a secret? But someone of integrity won't violate a confidence. A person of integrity doesn't pass it on on Facebook. Doesn't tweet it. No, they they let it die right there. I don't like these verses. They're such indicting verses. Look at this one here. Anyone who spreads gossip is a fool. Well, there you go. You call me a fool? No, the Bible is. The Bible says you're a fool. The Bible says I'm a fool when I spread gossip. Why is it in churches it runs rampant more than any place else? Say, so, I don't know, the workplace is pretty bad. I think the church rivals the workplace. I'm in both. And you know why I think that the reason it's rampant in both is because the heart is in both. So if I change the heart, both are gone wherever I am. Number five. I bring integrity. God wants me to bring integrity in my life. Well, how do I build it? By doing my best at work. Someone called this vocational integrity. I make this vow that I'm going to give my best at work. Who can dwell on your holy holy mountain? The Bible says in Psalms 15. It says the one who does what is righteous. You say, well, that's pretty generic. Yeah, well, one of the things you can... I'm telling you guys, if there's something that Christians ought to be doing is working their best at work. What, what it would do... First, you'd have to call the EMTs because your boss or your foreman or whoever it be is having a heart attack. It's, it, you know, we spend eight hours there, third of your life there. And God looks at that. I think of a passage of Proverbs. It says, All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads to poverty. You ever heard of that verse? It's not on your screen. It's not on the notes. You know what I'm talking about? It's all hard work brings profit, but mere talk leads to poverty. And I got to thinking, how could that be translated today? Of course it means talking about it isn't going to change anything. You've got to go out and do something. 
right? But if I had fun with it, all hard work brings a profit. But talking on your cell phone too much is going to get you fired. Texting while you're supposed to be working is going to get you written up. You're not going to get anything done. I forget I had a guy one time installing glass. We got a call from a customer saying, listen, this guy is on his phone. He spent more time on his phone than on my car. And he's yelling obscenities at somebody. And I knew who it was. I knew who he was talking. I knew who was doing the talk. He didn't have to tell me the name. I already knew who it was. And I, already, I knew he was talking to his ex-wife. And she's like, this is unacceptable. Like I was, like it was acceptable for me. See, people hire character. And who you are when the boss isn't looking. Do you, do you tend to work hard when they show up? Denise this week walked in and goes, everybody get to work, I'm here. <laughs> and we always joke, there's the boss, she's coming in. She signs the checks, the most powerful hand in C&W. So we kiss it and kneel down, you know. <laughs> Not really. But do you work your best? Do you goof off at work? I mean, today we've got all these gadgets and all this stuff. We can, you know, we can be on a screen like we're working on something and we're really watching something. And then here comes the boss. One click and we're, we're legal. I mean, what, is, what does the boss see? What's the, better yet, what does the real boss see? As a Christian, you know you don't work for just that guy or that woman. You work for the Lord. The Bible says here, a person who doesn't work hard is just like someone who destroys things. What's he saying? You're just as bad as you, if, you're a vandal, if you vandalize the place. You're sabotaging the business. You're not going to keep that job very long. Look at this in Colossians 3 here. Servants, do what you're told by your earthly masters. Now, we're talking about slaves and masters here, but we can apply this to employer-employee. Can we? And don't just do the minimum that will get you by. Do your best. And look what he says. Work from your heart. He says, you know, you really want to work, work hard? You want to do your best at work? You're going to, have to tap into that heart. That's why you, got to have, you need purity. You need integrity in your heart. Because you're going to be tapping into that. Because there's not an amount of attitude I have that's going to help me get through some things, guys. God will fill it up. God's much, much more powerful than my attitude. Do your best. Work hard from the heart for your real master. He says, for God, confident that you'll get paid in full when you come into your inheritance. Keep in mind always. He's saying, keep this in your heart. Keep this in your thinking. Keep this inside. This thing going all the time. You know, always that the ultimate master you're serving is Christ. That's a different attitude. you got a boss that doesn't act like Christ. He acts like the Antichrist. What do I do? Change attitudes. The sullen servant who does shoddy work will be held responsible. Being a follower of Jesus doesn't cover up bad work. So I want to encourage you to go out of here and work hard. Work smart. Work with integrity. Number six, is this the last one? Hooray! Number six. I build integrity. Go ahead, put it up. 
I build integrity by being real with others. Who may dwell on your holy mountain? Well, he walks with integrity. He 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 purifies that motive. He keeps the promises. You know, he tells the truth. He's managing his money ethically. He refuses to gossip about people. He's doing his best at work, and he's just going to speak the truth within his heart. Again, his heart is involved in this. He's going to be truthful. He's going to be real. A person of integrity is transparent. They're truthful. They're authentic. Like we were talking about, one of the words for uh, integrity is authentic. He's honest with himself, and he's honest with others. Look how Paul says it. Here's how Paul describes it in 2 Corinthians. We refuse to wear masks and play games. We don't maneuver and manipulate behind the scenes, and we don't twist God's Word to suit ourselves. Rather, we keep everything we do and say out in the open. The whole truth. There's that word whole. Circle that. There's that word whole. The whole truth on display. That's integrity. Everything. So that those who want to can see and judge for themselves in the presence of God. You bring God into this when you're living with integrity. And you're real. See, I, one of the things I thought was funny is even in Paul's day, there were fakes. Even in Paul's day, people were posing. And Paul's sitting there going, you know, hey, listen, just a heads up for you guys. We're not like that. We are different. We have this commitment in our hearts. We're not going to wear a mask. We're not going to twist the Word of God just to suit ourselves. We're going to, be, we're going to play fair. And what we say and what we do, out in the open. Out in the open. The whole truth. You're not going to get part of it, a shade of it. And that way you're able to see before God if whether or not we're legit. I tell you, this is a tough one, guys, because how do you manage integrity in a world that's so obsessed with appearance? How do, you, how do you somehow have integrity and build integrity when everybody's so concerned about how you look and it's easy to fall into that? It's easier to live that way in some ways than just say, I'm going to be this person. I'm going to be in every piece of my pie the same. I'm going to be this Christian. I'm going to live for the Lord the same way. I'm going to bring God's heart into this area of my life and this area of my life and let the chips fall where they may. How do I do that? I depend on God. I depend on God like never before. And I seek His approval over everyone else. Look at this passage here. Not in your notes. Look at this one. This is in 1 Thessalonians 2. So you can see we're not preaching with any deceit or impure motives or trickery. For we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. And look what he says here. Our purpose is to please God, not people. He alone examines the motives of our hearts. What's he saying? I'm going to depend on God, Tim. Why? Because if I depend on myself, I'm not going to find security. Guys, I tell you, I, th- I got to thinking, what do we do when we get in jams? We start depending on ourselves. And like that's going to bring us security. I'm already insecure. 
and I'm going to trust me? Well, that ain't going to work. No. I trust in someone who brings security. I trust in God. You see, this sermon is not an easy sermon to hear, and it is not an easy sermon to preach. My motive isn't always pure. I wish I could tell you, I want it to be. Oh, how I want it to be, but it's not always pure. I think of myself. In certain jams, I won't think about what would be the godly thing to do. I think about what would be the Timmy thing to do. And I fall for it. I want the right motive. but Sometimes I don't have the right motive. Promises? I've made promises and broken them. Oh my. Made vows to God, promises to God. How many times? Broken them. I want to, I want to make the promise good. I want, to, I want to fulfill a promise I've made to you, to God. But you know what? I break them. And money... Like I said, making a buck twenty-five or whatever thirty an hour, or making what I'm making today, I still have trouble paying my bills on time. Sometimes I spend way too much than I earn. Been audited by the IRS three times, three times last year. Did not keep very good records. Paid a price. I want to do the right thing. My heart, I really do, Lord. Church, I really do. But the truth is, I fall short. Guys, when it it comes to things like, you know, refusing to gossip, I love gossip. Telling you, I love it. Man, it's like an Oreo cookie and a glass of milk. Somebody go, I got something on somebody. Oh, what is it? And you think I can keep a secret? No. Alan, guess what? Gary, guess what? Denise, guess what? Well, you're seeking advice and direction. No, I'm not. I got something you want to hear. Oh, yeah. And I wish I could tell you I always do my best work and I work the hardest, but honestly, there's times I slough off and back off and slack off. And I'll do my best. You say, why are you telling us this, Tim? Because I want a pure heart. And I just know I'm not the only person here. I want you to know I got just as much issues as you do. And a lot of people may count us out as a church at times and criticize us, but we're all in this together. And we are a mess. We really are. And how do we get purity in our hearts? By getting real with it. 
with our sin, with our shortcomings, and just saying, look, this is who we are, warts and all. And we depend on God and not someone else's approval. Your, your boss, guys, when you, when you live with integrity, your boss isn't always going to be happy. When you live with it, because he may ask you, she may ask you to do something that's unethical, and you'll say no. Living a guy of life, living a, uh, this pure in heart, your spouse may not always be happy about it. Oh, you're getting all holy on me now. No, I'm just trying to develop integrity in my life. We've got to start now. Your kids may not like it. Your parents will not like it. Your friends won't like it. But God will love it. And you will too. It says, this is, the, this is the passage, the final passage on your notes. It's in Psalms 51. I love this passage. This is David who really messed up. And he messed up. Just messed it all up. Committed adultery. Killed some people. You know, lied. And look what he says to God. He says, God, he knows it starts with God. God, create a pure heart in me. You're the only one that can do it, Lord. No, I can't. He's proven that. And you know you can't and I can't. We've proven that, haven't we? God, create a pure heart in me. Why? Because God can. And renew a right attitude within me. Give me purity of heart. This morning, where do you need to bring integrity in your life? Why not call out to God, create in me a pure heart? Why not ask God, give me the right attitude? Give me, the, give me Father, I, I'm a mess, but give me what I need to bring integrity into my life. I believe you'll see God more clearly when you do these things. There's a card in your bulletin that gives you a chance to respond to this lesson. I hope you do. I hope you, maybe there's a decision you want to make. Maybe one of these areas you say, I need to bring integrity in that area and ask the prayer team, our, our ministry that prays, you don't know who they are. You know, they're, they're, kind of, they're behind the scenes praying for you every day. Why not let them pray for you about that issue? You say, I don't know if my prayers get anywhere, Tim. Prayer team, ask them. They'll get there and God will bless you when you bring integrity into your heart. Let's pray. We're going to pray together and then I'm going to give you a chance to, as we sing a song to fill out that card. Then we'll, then we'll take up the, those cards as we sing the, a closing song as well as our contribution. Lord God, oh Father, create in us, create in all of us, Father, a clean heart, a pure heart, Lord. Would You give us the right attitude, Lord? We know our attitude gets in the way. We know, Father, our heart, our motives are mixed. Father, we, we've, we've cut our life into pieces, Lord, and we know that because of that, we're getting, we are getting eaten alive because of that. We refuse to put You in certain areas of our life. Lord, help us stop that. And repent of that. And just say, Lord, you can, you can be in this too. You can be in my private life. You can be in my financial life. You can be in my work life. You can be in my sexual life. You can be in, you're, you've got the whole pie, Lord. I want, you, I want you in all of it. 
Give us the courage, Father, to pray that this morning, Lord. Father, I pray you'll clean up our motives. Help us, help us pursue the best motive, your heart. And that begin by just being a person that will please you. Lord, help us keep our promises, manage our money. Father, when, this week when, when someone's got something they want to say or we hear something, help us refuse to gossip and be trusted with a secret to do our best work come Monday morning, Lord. And Lord, we pray we'll be real. We'll be genuine. Help us relax and just be real. For Your truth in our hearts sets us free. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.